0: So I'm going to start in a second. Let me take a breath.
1: And just, you have a pen in your hand.
2: Do I have a pen? I have like 10 pens around me. I'm at my desk. Well, no,
1: I just, you do that thing where the you click like, oh, no, he um, does it with his fingers. You know I how. Um, yeah. But
2: um,
0: I, yeah, I so, wasn't,
2: I wasn't holding one.
0: Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're, are we going to, should we add a question about control issues,
3: Justin? No, I'm
0: Here's the thing.
2: <laughs> she knows too many of my quirks. <laughs>
0: Well, that's as it should be and vice versa. Okay, here we go. Welcome to That's a Hard No, the podcast about saying no and setting boundaries to become the authentic and empowered you that this world needs. I'm Heather Drago. My co-host, Sarah Saunders, will join us in a few minutes. For those of you returning, thanks for sticking with us. We appreciate you and we're so glad you're finding our content helpful. For those who are new, welcome. We're so glad you found us and are listening in. Make sure to go back to our pilot episode to learn how this all started and why we're here. A quick reminder while Sarah is a licensed professional clinical counselor, this podcast is in no way a replacement for one on one therapy with a mental health professional. If you are struggling with mental health issues, we welcome you on this journey, but also invite you to seek out professional help. Go to this episode's page on our website and click the link. To find a therapist near you. With that said, let's get started. Today, I have the great pleasure of interviewing my co host, Sarah Saunders, and her husband, Justin Saunders. They're the most adorable couple, you guys, and I think you'll really enjoy getting to know more about Sarah and her family life. More importantly, though, during our conversation, Sarah and Justin shared openly about their struggles and growth as a couple how they approach parenting and life as a partnership, and about how it's a continual process to ensure that they're both helping each other stay happy, sane, and focused on their goals as they raise three very young children while building their careers. So without further ado, my conversation with Sarah and Justin Saunders. Hey, Justin, thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Hi, babe. What's (laughs) up? So, just so you guys know that you that are listening, um, Justin and Sarah are in two different locations right now. Just because that's how our software works, so they're uh, they look very adorable two screen situation here. I will share a picture on social. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Aw, okay. So, so Justin, tell us a little bit about yourself. What you do for a living? What you're passionate Mm -hmm. about? What you do in your free time, if you have any, with your three little (laughs) (laughs) hands.
2: Uh, yeah, uh, I am a, uh, a partner with a, uh, recruiting firm based out of, uh, independence. Uh, I've been there for about 10 years. Um, last two and a half years as a partner there. So, uh, it's been going well. Um, I mean, passions, it, family in my career, like, and that's really all I have time for. Yeah. Um, and that's to me what, what's most important, um, you know, I think you can tie in. I like the exercise. I like to eat. Uh, I'm a big fan of sports, Browns, Buckeyes. Yeah. You know, boating, uh, in the summertime, oh, when there's no COVID. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you're allowed to be yeah. around other people. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: yeah.
2: we don't really have free time. Yeah, like, yeah. I was <laughs> telling somebody the other day at work and, you know, someone without kids and, uh, You know, it's like I wake up in the morning and I really enjoy getting up with the boys, you know, and and helping them eat, you know, not helping them eat, but making them breakfast and hanging out with them, just seeing them. Um, And then I go to work and I'm at work, I don't know, maybe what, 10, 11, 12 hours a day. Yeah. And then I get home, you know, right around six o'clock so I can be with the boys, see them one more time, eat dinner, bathe them, put them to bed. And especially now when the older boys are not loving bedtime uh and by the time we get them down it's eight eight thirty yeah. nine um, yeah i
0: remember those days that's rough yeah, yeah. and, and you're, then, then you're just exhausted
2: right and yeah. that, at that point then i go down to work out from nine fifteen to ten fifteen, and then i'll take a shower and in bed by 11 i mean there's no free time right now uh <laughs> yeah. so yeah so yeah. but i love it i mean it's it's um it's controlled chaos and and it's, it works for me.
1: And one of the things that I have to mention is as Justin was sharing and ladies specifically, like he's very hands-on when he is home. And so what he was saying, kind of, I like to get my workouts in in the morning. That's like how I fill my cup. So he's very intentional and we've talked about, you know, where we can help each other out. And so he'll help with breakfast and getting the kids up, Well, I, you know, work out and shower in the morning and then he's off to work. Um, And then the days that, you know, I work, I'm kind of, you know, he gives me the baton when he's done. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, in full mom mode right up until the time it's time for me to go to work. And then same with like we have dinner together. He helps do baths. Um, But he's yeah. Teamwork is is a must.
2: Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it
3: it awesome. really is,
2: though. It's a, it's a good... Um, it's one of those things that we've... Uh, it's evolved and it works for us. And I think most couples that have been together and, and have kids together and kind of go through it together, you figure it out. And, and I've always been more of a... I can stay up later and, and wake up still early and be okay. So... I really enjoy the late night. No one talking to me. Sarah's in bed. The kids are sleeping. Like that is that is peaceful to me, and I could run forever mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Sarah's shaking her head no. To yeah, late she night she's in like, bed no by nine no o'clock. Way. I
2: put the kids down, then <laughs> I put her down. And so, <laughs>
0: it's
1: true, <laughs> and he's really great because for me, I'm kind of like finally I can breathe. And I'm like, you know, oh my gosh, I have all of these things. My to-do list is like so long because I finally have a little bit of peace and quiet. And Justin is so helpful. And he's like, Sarah, you need to go to bed. Like you are not going to be able to do anything (laughs) productive. And and then he'll say like, what specifically do you need done? And he does it. Like if there's something around the house, like... And and I'm just like, you know, I need the kitchen specifically, you know, it's the heart of the home. And I need my kitchen clean when I wake up in the morning. And I'm like, I need the dishes done or I need this. He's like, okay, I've got it. Go to bed.
0: Like... So I know this, this didn't, this didn't happen. I mean, like, this isn't, this is something you guys have learned. So we're going to talk about how you right. got to that place. Cause yeah. I, like, honestly, I wish I could go in a time machine with my husband and go back 25. Like, I wish we had met you back then. Cause like it took <laughs> us, or, like we really battled it out. It was really tough for us to figure that out. So I, I think what you have to share is going to be very helpful to a lot of people who are your age and starting out. And like, I want to get there, but first, cool first and it'll be this will be interesting to see the two sides of this, whose stories if your stories match up is i i'm dying to know how you guys like how long have you been together and how did you meet
3: you want
2: me to go so first who goes
0: first yeah you go first
2: i mean ladies should go first i'll, I'll go first let me tell my side of the story because it's probably a little different than sarah's version oh boy i think it's the same same setup though just a little so we met at a let me backtrack i've always known sarah because we grew up in the same neighborhood
3: our parents
2: lived eight houses apart for the majority of our lives um difference being i was four years older i went to Huron, uh you know local public school and sarah went to private school and and you know being as old as we are, there wasn't social media, um, back when we were in high school. So we never really, you know, ran into each other back then. And, um, so I had always known of her and it wasn't until uh, a mutual friend's wedding in August of 2013 that I, you know, introduced myself. I mean, as well as I could, it was a wedding reception, uh, Probably had a few drinks in me, and I'm pretty sure I saw like this hot little Italian girl. And I know it was a deep cut black dress. I remember that. Uh, I know I went up to her and and probably, yeah, probably said like a really, really awesome pickup line and and, and got her attention. Is that how it went, babe?
1: I mean, this is this is pretty accurate, and I'm I'm surprised you even remember meeting me at the wedding.
0: Oh, that's I'll funny. never forget the black dress. Okay. Well, my next question was, was going to be, what was your first impression of her? So obviously it was the black dress, but um <laughs> once you got to, like, when you first started to get to know her again as adults, like, what was your first impression of Sarah? Like, what did, what struck you about her besides I mean, how gorgeous she is? Of right. Course.
2: Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, mid to late twenties. That, that's all that really the first thing that popped out was looks, but you know, shortly after that <laughs> wedding, uh, Sarah and I, I asked her out on a date, uh, and she agreed. Uh, so that pickup line definitely worked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we went out on a date and I'll never forget. Cause we went to East fourth street and we were sitting at, um, I said, Flannery's. No, I forget. No, I, I know we were at Flannery's, but we went to, pickwick and frolic and And we were up eating dinner and we were just talking at the bar and she was talking like she had this vision of where she wanted her career to go (laughs) she's still in grad school like she wants to open up her own practice and do this thing with kids and i'm like i was like holy shit like like, this girl like has it together (laughs) and i was just like She's ambitious, like, and like, that's that was the next level. Like, yeah, she was very attractive, that was obvious. Uh, she was funny, but like, she had ambition, she knew what she wanted, like, she was career focused. I'm like, done, let's do this. Let's, wow. let's keep <laughs> So,
0: she's yeah, so she's true to form, like, she's just uh, that's just who she is, you know, from then till now. It sounds right. like, yeah, it came
2: to fruition. So, that was cool. Wow. It, Good, uh, and guess. were
0: you as goal oriented at that age when you met her? Is that like, it was a good, it was like, Hey, we're simpatico. We think the same way. It was like, yeah. Oh wow. I better hmm. look at how together she is. I'm not quite there yet.
2: You know, I, I was, but I was still young in my career. I was still a little mm-hmm. immature and, um, I knew I had always wanted a family. I always knew I wanted to be successful. And I was just starting my, you know, my tenure at Bridgeway. I was probably two, maybe three years into it. And I was starting to get, you know, a little taste of that success, which was cool. So Mm -hmm. I knew that's where I wanted to be. And I knew looking for, you know, a a woman that I would eventually want to marry and have a family with. Like, I wanted someone that wanted that. Mm -hmm. Um, And and Sarah will tell you, like, I, uh, because she when we first started dating I was I was looking I was living in downtown Cleveland I was like going out on dates and I was like I, I didn't like any girl I was meeting uh and and I knew right away with Sarah and I've probably told her this a hundred times like within three months of us dating I knew I was gonna marry her but wow yeah appease the social uh aspect of it I had to wait 11 months before I proposed <laughs>
0: You know, when you know, you know, when I met my husband, we actually met in my mother's kitchen. This is a a kind of a funny story. We met in my mother's kitchen. He went, he worked for the kitchen and uh, bathroom modeling company for a house that she she bought a money pit and it needed help. And I, I had been out the night before I was hungover. I looked horrible, smelled like smoke, (laughs) raccoon eyes. He was hilarious and cute and it was literally love at first sight. And -hmm. within a month, like I knew when I, it wasn't love at first sight. It was like knowing at first sight. Like it was just like, there was this electricity and connection. And within a month or two, like we pretty much knew like that was it. Yeah. So sometimes you just know. Right. Yeah.
2: Now I had to ask Sarah to move in with me to be sure, because I'm Uh of the opinion, you can't marry somebody unless you test like, can you live with them?
1: Yeah, which was a huge thing for me because I always had this narrative in my head, like right. you don't move in until you're married, yeah. type of thing. Yeah. But I do want to say, Justin, would you share um, our first road trip together when we went to? Mm-hmm. We traveled. Do you want to kind of? Preface I don't know it what do details you
2: want, you want me to go to go to, but what I recall of it was.
1: We were three months into dating, at yeah time. we
2: <laughs> we had just started dating, and you know I still didn't know all of Sarah's like background and upbringing, all that stuff, and just like, oh, my friends are getting married in uh, uh Illinois, and immediately my mind goes to Chicago, awesome wedding in Chicago. it's gonna be sweet, <laughs> booze, cool people, can't <laughs> wait um and this is again mid to late twenties, so you're just in wedding part of your yeah life, yeah, and, yeah, and I'm like, yeah. okay. Sweet, let's go road trip it to Chicago. This will be fun, and and we're driving, and we we go, and you know Sarah has games like road games, like she has oh, books she does, and she has she's things to do, she has agenda,
3: about, a things, list, yeah. yeah,
2: food and drinks and like everything you would ever need uh, for a twenty four hour drive, and we were only going so like funny. seven. I'm like, all right, she's kind of got it together. That's cool um but we really got to know each other like it was a lot of like uh understanding like backgrounds and what you know preferences what we like and you know what we want in the future and it was really cool and then you know sure enough we get there uh and i i hadn't qualified her enough uh to know that her friends were from IWU, which is a dry campus, which turned into a dry wedding. For, I didn't even know those existed. Uh,
0: <laughs>
3: <and> so, <laughs>
0: so, but, like, what am I doing here? <laughs> right,
2: right. And it wasn't Chicago. It was like three hours south of Chicago, middle of nowhere. Okay. Um, which, dry I, wedding. which
1: I had told him, but again, with sometimes his selective listening, like he <laughs> or selective hearing, he just yeah. uh, assumed Illinois yeah, Chicago, yeah. but go on. Yeah.
3: Right. That's Um, funny.
2: No, but I think, and and then, you know, we had the hotel together and then the drive back, like we just got a lot of quality time to really get to know each other. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that that was what propelled it from, you know, you know, preliminary dating to, to pretty serious interest.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: And I will say, you know, part of that, and I am, I'm someone that when I have, my eye on something like I'm a researcher and I want to gather information. And I knew very early on, just like Justin, I was like, I had dated and um, not a lot, but I, because I was very meticulous, I was looking for something. And Mm -hmm. I just remember it was on that road trip specifically that I had certain questions that I wanted to kind of hear his take on because I'm someone that, to be honest, I don't want to waste my time. My time is valuable. And so I was like, is this something? Is he someone that, you know, could be the one? And Mm -hmm. um, I will just never forget. I mean, Jess, I think probably five out of those seven hours, like we didn't even have music on like we honestly were just in conversation and it was just so natural and effortless and um i might have asked some questions that i remember him kind of being like really like how many kids do i want we're 3 months in you know type of thing but i learned a lot about you know his family and where he came from and i just had such a new appreciation for um of course i've always thought he's been beautiful but just
0: who he was as a person and mm-hmm. his values and the core of him. I, I'm I just I love this idea. I'm imagining like cruise director Sarah, like ahead of time, like planning activities and like you're so goal oriented, obviously <laughs> like, okay, here's what I want to know. Here's the <laughs> questions I'm gonna ask. We're gonna devise a game around this. Like I just, I just I love that um you're just you're a very strategic person. And like you just have goals, and and you know, and I love that. Like, even in your personal life, you're like, okay, is this the person I really want to get to know, invest more time in? So, yeah. It worked. It was very, very
2: nostalgic fun. for me because my mom used to uh, play games when we do road trips when we were kids. So I was yeah. like, all right, sweet. Road trip games.
3: <laughs> that's great. That's
0: and great. And snacks. And yeah. Snacks. Yeah. It's
3: nice. <laughs> You know,
0: the way to a man's heart. Like, yeah. I think it's, it's, uh, it says a lot about you too, Justin, that you were like into it. Like you wanted to get to know her, you know what I mean? And, and like you were learning about her as much as she was learning about you. So right. I think, I think that's cool. Um, so, you know, since that time, you guys have had an eventful relationship. I mean, to say the least. Right. And you got married, you bought a home, you started a family, Sarah, so you went to graduate school. You're both building your, your careers. I mean, that's a lot in a short amount of time. So I wanted to talk about that for a minute and like, you know, how and we're going to after this, we're going to get to kind of like how you've gotten to where you are now as far as your partnership. But like in the beginning, as you were going through all this, like how did all of that cause conflict or tension in your relationship? Or did Um, it or were you guys always like team go team?
2: Uh, I think there's a honeymoon phase for every relationship. Um, you know, that over time, well, we'll, you'll have your peaks and valleys and and we've certainly had those. We're not without fault for sure. Um, you know, I think added responsibilities will always add stress and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I think Sarah and I, one thing we are compatible with is, is we kind of thrive on busyness and and chaos. Like I use the term controlled chaos. Like I I, I love it. Like I would much rather have a hundred things to do with a certain timeline, you know, over the course of two days than just 48 free hours. I'll I'll waste Mm -hmm. that time. If I have a structure thing to do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it done and, and be on with it. So yeah, kids, the house, the businesses, Sarah's business, like, and we got other projects going on right now, too, uh, mm. that we'll probably let people know about at a later date, but um, it's you know, this podcast, like we just operate well under, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. timelines and, and, uh, you know, to your point, it does add stress. It does cause fights because she's got things she has to do that are important to her. I have things that are important to me, you know, and we don't have childcare set up. And then we start yelling at each other. Like, it's just <laughs> things like that happen. Yeah, it's um, natural. Yeah. 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 But you know, you, you, you apologize, you forgive, you move on you, and you hit a nice, cool, uh, wave of, of good and, and then another bad happens and then you figure it out from there.
0: What's your take, Sarah? No,
1: I, I agree. And you know, one of the things I think is the foundation for the two of us, it's a couple of things. We both are very growth mindset. We are always if we're not growing, what are we doing? And we're best friends. We we mm-hmm. truly are at the end of the day, regardless of what has happened, we we just really make sure that we check in with each other. We ask each other what we need. I think what's funny is, although we do have that foundational level, our personalities are different. I mm-hmm. am someone that I'm I'm high strung, I'm very type A, and I get very overstimulated. I don't know, listeners, if there is anyone out there that can identify as like, An HSP, which is a highly sensitive person, that's me. I get very overstimulated. I need my downtime. And although I am very busy and like to have that go, go, go schedule, I also need downtime. I also Mm -hmm. like to be alone. And having three kids, three and under, um, their needs are very different. Tristan specifically, which, you know, it's hit or miss with his sleep right now. But I also, I need my sleep. Um, And so I think a big thing for us is just recognizing, you know, we have our eye on a goal, we both have things that we want to do personally, professionally, and as a family, relationally, Um, but checking in daily and just kind of saying like, hey, you know, what do you need today, where, and the childcare has been a big issue, we have not been around my family since July, um, right, And they were very helpful. And we, we don't have that to fall back on.
0: Right. A lot of people are in this boat right now. It's just right. really difficult to juggle everything and, you know the fact we all have to be isolated. It's just really tough. Right.
1: And, and there's certain times where it's funny because I'll think something is a very big deal, like a very big task. And he'll be like, I don't understand why it's such a big deal. And then I'm like, I don't understand why it's not such a big deal to (laughs) you. Um, so we kind of, you know, we get in those, you know, kind of back and forth type things. Um, but I think, you know, the conflict and the tension oftentimes happens when we are feeling resentful towards each Mm -hmm. other, kind of Mm -hmm. thinking like, well, I just took the kids. Um, Now it's my turn. Or like, you know, you just had your time, like Mm -hmm. really making sure that we're making sure that we're talking to each other, letting each other know what we need. And I, or Justin, I, I'm kind of curious, to tell the world what it's like being married to a therapist, but I'm very That's
0: awesome. Right <laughs> answer. Very good, sir. But I'm, I'm very vocal
1: and I, I will yeah. say it's, it's taken me a while. I was not always like this. I would just let it go. But now I'm just uh. kind of like, I'm feeling resentful or I'm feeling mm-hmm. very, um, jealous that you were able to go to mm-hmm. work all day and here I am, none of the kids napped, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the more that I can use those like I statements, like I mm-hmm. feel this way because telling mm-hmm. him why I feel that way, then that conflict internally that I'm dealing with, as well as the mm-hmm. conflict him and I are having, we can then put our heads together and problem solve. And he gets a better understanding as to why maybe I lashed out. Or, you know, cause he'll just be like, he'll get home and I give him, we kind of joke about this. It was cute last night, but he got home and it being a Friday, I had the kids all day on Monday, work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, slammed with sessions. And then Friday I was home solo with the kids and I gave him my leftovers. Like I was exhausted. Yeah. I was burnt yeah. out. And what was your response, babe, yesterday when I was like, I'm so sorry, you deserve my entree, not my oh. leftovers.
2: No, I just said, you know me, I love leftovers.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So
1: he keeps the humor, but I, I yeah. think the reality, you know, kind of, you know, circling back is just being able to vocalize what I'm feeling and then together yeah. problem solving together.
0: One of the things it took me a long time to learn, and it took some guidance um, from a therapist, is that in a relationship, especially when you're parenting, is that both people may be giving equally, but you don't always see it. You don't always recognize the other person's contribution. And just because you're both giving Sometimes it isn't equal. Sometimes someone has to give more and someone else has to receive. And you just have to navigate when it's your turn to receive and just keep communicating. So there's a lot of forgiveness and negotiation and then just recognizing, acknowledging when someone's helping or not helping.
2: Right. I think I still struggle with it. I know, and, and I'm sure most you know parents that have kids, the ages that, that we do is like, you know, I know. Sarah is like at her limit when she has the kids all day with no help. It's a lot. Um, oh,
0: I'm sorry, and, but that it's brain scrambling. It, it yeah. is when you have little kids, it's it's physical labor. It's just and it's work. mentally it's,
2: exhausting.
0: It's both, yeah. both physically and mentally. Yeah. Plus breastfeeding yeah. Um, and oh, I mean, yeah. draining.
3: Yeah. yeah. I
2: don't know about that, but, um, <laughs> <Trust> <laughs> but, uh but, but no, I mean, so, so I, when I get home and I know she's had that day, like I want the kids and I want her to go for a drive. And I think she went actually mm-hmm. for a walk by herself and I said, take your time. I got the kids do your thing. Mm-hmm. Like I try to, to, to be there to alleviate that, but, Uh, on on the other on the other end like if I've done that on a Friday and then Saturday I get up with the kids I'm hanging out with them and she sleeps and like then you start to like keep score like all right I've had these kids like you've Mm -hmm. done your thing like get your ass out of bed your turn come on let's let's (laughs) let's switch like and and, and you don't mean to but it's just I feel like that's just the human nature like where your thoughts well, we go wear and down
0: we wear down yeah, so yeah, the best do. of us like our best intentions are just not there anymore because we're just exhausted in some right, way. Right. Yeah. and right right that's where yeah. you know
2: communications expectations like i think that is uh helped us
1: and, and yeah. what i will say too is i remember there being times where justin i'd be like yeah go take a couple hours like go do what you need to and i would notice like you know in he's gotten much better at this. This really isn't an issue, but like he might go and play a video game or he might pre COVID, like go out with a friend. And I remember in the beginning of our relationship, I was just like, you have so much to do. Why are you like choosing to go and like, and I'm air quoting, like, relax When, Mm -hmm. like, for me, I used to think, which I'm getting much better at this, but I used to think, okay, if I have a couple of hours without a kid... I need mm-hmm. to go and like check things off of my list. I need to go mm-hmm. to the grocery mm-hmm. store. I need to, you know, catch up on laundry. I need to do this.
0: There's that goal orientation.
1: 100%. Again. But then I would feel resentful because I'm like, here I am. I had this time without mm-hmm. any kids, but mm-hmm. I'm doing things for the family. And mm-hmm. so Justin's really helped me recognize and, you know, personal development that I've been doing is that being like, Using those hours just for me, like being able to just go for a solo walk outside, listening Mm -hmm. to my Mm -hmm. body and asking myself, what do I need right now? While he's watching the kids, do I need to take a nap? Do I want to throw on, you know, the Kardashians Mm -hmm. or like, Mm -hmm. you know, mindless TV, like whatever it is, but it's taken me and I'm still not quite there, but it's taken Mm -hmm. me time to give myself permission to do something relaxing because Mm -hmm. that's actually more productive for me and my like mindset and my energy towards my family than just taking that time to check off things
0: on the list. Yeah. I'm a big believer in processing time. I think everybody just needs downtime when you're not actively doing something to just let yourself process what's happened or how you think about something. And I also think like husbands as much as wives or, you know, co-parents, however your family set up um, need, they need, they need play time. They need to talk to people outside of your relationship. They need other connections. And so when I was, I've told the story about how when my kids were little, I would go paint every night and I would be there till two in the morning or whatever, well, that was really rough on my husband because he would work all day, come home and then we'd have dinner and then I'd leave and he'd have the kids till bedtime. And this, it was hard on him, too. And so we started this thing we called bowling night, which on Wednesdays he would leave and he was going and like meeting with friends. And it really he doesn't bowl. It wasn't. But it was just like he needed to just get away and like go talk to and go have dinner with his friends or go play video games or whatever it was they were doing just to like get that mental break. Just to like not be in that grind all the time. I think the grind right. wears us down. Yeah, you know. So it, and and
1: I just think you know right now you know societally like it's just at least for me personally and a lot of women I talk to um, it's just the mom guilt and it's you yeah, know just for this sure. idea especially being a a career driven multi passionate person. Like when mm-hmm. I'm working, I'm not with the kids. When I'm doing the podcast, I'm not with the kids. And so mm-hmm. I, I also, it's this back and forth of wanting to pursue my passion. And I know that it is life-giving. And it, it's, I, for those of you stay-at-home moms out there, God Ugh, bless Bless me. your heart. I tried it for yeah. six months with one and yeah. I I I couldn't do it. Like, yeah. it's just, I think some people truly they're, um, they're made for that. And that is their calling. It's not for me. And but I have a lot of mom guilt that that comes in with that.
0: You know, I think moms can't win. I think society... It's all kinds of expectations on moms and i i even I kind of hate the term working mom because all moms are working moms. It's just a different <laughs> kind of work I mean it's right. exhausting one way or the other, however you're trying to do it and you're you're made to feel bad if you don't have a career and you're made to feel bad if you do there's just like no winning um in terms of other people's eyes, and so that's when you know what other pe- people think goes out the door or out the window like just you have to do what's right for your family and for yourself so
2: i I will say that's one thing like marriage. And, and having kids is talk, like, Oh my God, I have so much respect for, for women and stay at home moms and like things that they do and what they go through. Like, you know, I ignorant to it before I went through it. And I think right. most, yeah. most guys are, and and I yeah. remember always thinking like, who needs 12 weeks off? Like that's ridiculous. You know, to, to, that's a long yeah. time.
0: Until you're the sleep deprived person. I'm like, geez, <laughs> yeah. like, Sarah,
2: take, take six months. And, and that was too yeah. much, but yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: I mean, just being pregnant is hard work. Being pregnant is hard work. Breastfeeding is hard work. Taking care of the babies. I'm like, it's all hard. It's all physically exhausting.
2: Physically and mentally, yeah.
1: It's interesting too, because I feel like in the beginning of our relationship, I think the narrative that I did have in my head, and especially based on, um, you know, just like, you know, how we were raised and stuff. But I was kind of like, okay we're going to start a family and I'm going to be home. Like that was Mm -hmm. originally ideal. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, and then it was kind of like then taking on, you know, being home, the responsibilities of the child's keeping the kid alive, doing all of that stuff. Then all the house stuff on top of that. And then that's when I was like, Whoa, wait a second. I thought,
2: I mean, to, to that point too, like the expectation piece, like my partner's, their wives are all stay at home. Like, and, and mm-hmm. that's so I, I just thought that was the trajectory that's how it's that's done. What was yeah. supposed to happen. And that's, you know, growing up in our society, that's just the women took care of the house because they're better at it. First of all. Um, but like, that was just <laughs> the expectation and, and we tried it. And my uh, conclusion was, man, do, do mom and kid, Need to miss each other a little bit. They're around each other way too much. Yeah. And there needs to be that missing each other. Um, yeah. And yeah. that's kind of where we were like, all right, Sarah, you know, start going back part time if you want to. Well, I, let's, what let's, I always tell you, Sarah,
1: you can work, work, work as much, work as little, don't work at
0: all.
2: And she
1: gets yeah. to choose.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, let's, let's talk about that for a minute, because one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you guys together is that we've gotten these little glimpses into your relationship. And what we know so far is that you really focus on your partnership. And, you know, I joke that you guys like run your marriage, like a small business in a way, because you have like <laughs> these meetings and I I just admire it so much. Um, but like you didn't, it took you a while to figure that out. And so like, it didn't Some of it happened organically, but there was there like a come to Jesus moment or something where like, um, you know, you kind of had to lay down the law or like, you know, like how much training was involved, Sarah? Like what, what, Uh, how did you get to this point of like, what happened? Like what what was the breaking point and and how did you guys approach it?
1: So I'm going to start this off and then Justin, I want you to jump in, but I remember It was, it was a Thursday and I was just counting down the minutes until Justin was going to get home. I was home with Beckham. Um, and it was about like four months postpartum. And I was so angry. Like I was just like, Counting down the minutes to for him to get home, but more because I was just like, I want to give him a piece of my mind. I want him to know what it is that I do the whole time right. that he's at work. And I wrote down a list. I wrote down a list of since having a baby, all of the things that I am responsible for, for the house, for um you know, doctor's appointments for Beckham. And, you know, at that point, you know, I was doing bills and just I wrote down. And I mean, I got really specific because that's how I am. And it was every single task. And then in addition to that, all of the things that have changed for mm-hmm. me in my life since having a baby, the sacrifices mm-hmm. that I had to make, which mm-hmm. after writing that, Clearly, it made sense why I was so angry, but it was front and back. Jess, do you remember this?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm a pretty oblivious person for the most part. (laughs) Like, unless it's like (laughs) written on a list or told directly to me like four or five times, um, it, it, it can slip through the cracks. And so, I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm. You know, I'm working my butt off. I'm I'm trying to provide for my family and and I'm and you know it's it's a grind every day and and you know, but I had done that before too, you know, and and yeah, but I didn't see that her life had changed and mine had kind of stayed the same. But in my mind, I'm working really hard, I'm trying to provide for the family. I get home, you know, I I'll try to help with dinner, I'll try to help with like and I'm trying to help around the house and pick up. Like I think in my mind. I'm providing, I'm picking up, I'm trying to do things here and there. I'm a pretty damn good husband. I'm a catch. But <laughs> it wasn't until she wrote this list of all the, yeah, the things yeah. she does and I'm like, yeah, you got a pretty good point.
1: Like it was it was a front and back list and then I asked him to write down like what has changed, what are things that you're responsible for and, you know, I love you just, but it was like half a page. And that's yeah. when I was just mm. like look at the front and back of this and look at that and like this is why i'm angry and why when you come home
3: right
0: so i i love your sort of self-awareness justin where you're like i'm pretty oblivious and you've told me four or five times and so like my first thought was my first question was going to be um You know, were you very surprised by this or did you kind of see it coming like at some degree? But before I get to that, Sarah, as you were talking, were you surprised by this list? Like, were you really fully aware of all this stuff before you wrote it down or or once you wrote it all down and you thought you saw all the things you gave up and all the things you had to add to your list? I mean, were you kind of surprised when you saw that or or did you already kind of know all that? I
1: was surprised to write it down because I'm such a visual person. It was all floating in my head. Yeah. And I yeah. knew that I was feeling resentful and I knew that I was feeling angry and jealous, but I was mm-hmm. like, where is all of this coming from? Because I have all of the things I have a husband who's providing. I have a beautiful, healthy mm-hmm. baby
3: mm-hmm.
1: and I have the choice, which I know many people don't. I have the choice whether Mm -hmm. or not I
0: worked or not, like it wasn't Mm -hmm. something I had to do. So and it's hard to feel bad when you, you you like almost feel guilty. Like I should be grateful for what I have.
1: Exactly. And so that's where I was like, where is this disconnect? Why am I feeling these? And I tell people, you know, you can feel however you want to feel, but these were some negative feelings that were Mm -hmm. impacting our relationship. And so writing that down, I was just like, wow, this
0: isn't yeah. actually what I want to be doing. It's a visual sign of overwhelm. Absolutely. I mean, you're looking at all the things you're drowning in and you're yeah. like, whoa. Yeah. So, and so Justin, were you very surprised by the list? Were you aware of all those things? Kind of like it's some I, kind of level kind of, not really, but kind of aware or if, were if, you just if, totally blindsided?
2: Not blindsided. Uh, Sarah's got a really bad poker face when it comes to hiding her emotions. <laughs>
3: I, I knew there was something
2: noodling in her brain and I knew it wasn't great. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't surprised that it, you know, something was coming. I knew I was probably in trouble, you know, ask her how she was doing. Like, I'm fine. I'm like, all right, not fine. Um, <laughs> so, you know, those kind of hits. Um, so, but when I saw the list, yeah, I, I was surprised by the, the quantity of things in it for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Sarah, like, you said you were angry and you were kind of counting the minutes and I remember days like that. Boy, Mm -hmm. do I, like I told, but were you also at any level, like afraid to bring this up with him? Is that why you, it, it waited until you got to that point was, were you hesitant to bring it up with him? That's a really good question, Heather. I,
1: I, I do feel looking back, there was probably fear related. A lot Mm -hmm. of it, um, again, looking back had to do with the fact that I was home and I thought that that was my role. And as someone um, that has perfectionistic tendencies, I definitely thought I was failing. I was thinking Mm. like, you know, as the mother, as the woman, like,
0: why is this so hard for me? Why am Mm -hmm. I so... All these other women do it and they have these perfect lives. What's wrong with me? And that's when I had
1: that come to Jesus moment was, but I need to stop comparing And I just need to focus on, Mm -hmm. is this working for me and for Mm -hmm. us and our family? And so I just remember feeling a sense like it was almost like writing all of those things down. It was like each one was a sandbag that I just took out of my bag. Like i just being able to release Mm -hmm. that. And then because Justin and I we we've come we weren't great at it at the time but like he's always been receptive and so I was afraid the fear came from the failing I thought as a woman I was failing but I Mm -hmm. felt I was almost excited to come to this realization and be like okay now that I identified this where do we go from here
3: Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. I
1: think that problem solving and What we ended up doing then, and this, thank goodness, you know, for my background in marriage and family therapy, but I just kind of said, okay, this is the reality. Rather than tit for tat and beating each other up about like, Mm -hmm. well, here's all the things that I do. It was more of like, this is what it's like in my brain. And this is what Mm -hmm. is going on. Let's just take a minute. Let's read through these things. Let's focus Mm -hmm. on strengths. Justin, what are some things that you can take off of my list and put that mm-hmm. on yours?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So it was really a, a negotiation.
2: Yeah. I, Sarah uh, mentioned, so. I think one of my bet not to brag, one of my best qualities is I think I'm very coachable. Mm-hmm. Whether that's at work, at home, like... I, I can hear again, you got to put it right in my face and tell me four or five times, but I'll get it. And, and, and and I knew, okay, this is what she needs. This is how I can best serve her. Um, switch, You know, turn the switch, flip the switch. It worked. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes.
0: I like, th- I like the phrase serve her. I like the idea of serving each other in that relationship. Like, I think that's a, a, and I also like the idea of being coachable. Like, we all need to be learning and we all need to be serving each other in our relationships.
1: And, right. and with the coaching, I will say, which is 100%, if people ask me to describe, you know, Justin, like one of the words I always use is coachable. But it's also something we've had to work on in regards to. Our language, because there were times in the beginning of our relationship and in the beginning of our marriage where we would say things that would trigger one another, and then it would Mm -hmm. just become like very—we'd be defensive and Mm -hmm. yeah. And
2: Heather, you brought up what is it like to be married to a therapist? Uh, (laughs) One one way we can, you know, kind of combated that, which Sarah just brought up, is she made me do this this love language exam.
3: Oh, yes, I'm familiar. So, so we
2: knew how I gave and received love, and I knew Mm -hmm. how Sarah gave and received love. And it's silly, like, yeah, from the outside looking in, it's silly, but man, it's I I know it works, it it helped, I I, I think, yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. So, I mean, that's one sample size uh, of married to a
0: therapist. I was was
1: gonna say,
0: before. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. You go first. No,
1: I was just going to say, but one of the things in order for Justin to be coachable is also me making sure that I'm using language that, that he can hear me because there were times in the beginning where like, I felt like I was getting my point across, but he wasn't receiving it because I was not delivering it well. And mm-hmm. so learning what triggered each other, like we actually talked about like what are trigger words and, mm-hmm. and you know, if he tells me to calm down, you better believe. Mm-hmm. Why. Oh, that does not, mm-hmm. the opposite reaction. Right, right, yeah. right. Man. And, and so yeah. just little shifts in, the use of our words, how we are Mm -hmm. delivering certain things, allows the other person to be more receptive and more coachable Mm -hmm. during that conflict.
3: Right.
0: Yeah. And also doing the, let's take a minute, let our temperatures cool down so we can talk about this rationally. Yeah, that's definitely a thing. So as you guys looked at this list and negotiated, who takes on which things like what were the big no's, Sarah, that you had to, you know, we, I want to somehow tie this to no, right? Like what are the boundaries and no's And, you know, I, I need, I need this and I need you to do this. Like, what were those things that you asked for? And, and Justin, what, and, you know, in the same vein, like what were the boundaries and no's you had to set, or what were the things you needed Sarah to take on? Who, who goes first?
2: Women first. <laughs>
0: I
1: think the big no for me was the comparison piece. Like I had to say no to the narrative Mm. or the societal expectation of what I thought, what box I needed to fit in. So Mm -hmm. that was a hard no is to just recognize and give myself permission. I'm allowed to have these dreams and goals and ambitions and Mm -hmm. I'm allowed to be a mom and Mm -hmm. do those things they can coexist together um so that was a big one for me that once I was allowed to accept the way that I'm wired and the things that I wanted it then allowed me to give myself more grace and self-compassion And then being able to slowly, which is still a journey, but to start delegating and giving Mm -hmm. up control because I do, I have those perfectionistic
0: tendencies and I I like, I like to be in control. That's an interesting take. It's not just, Justin, I need your help with this. It's realizing you have to give up some things and let him do those things I have to let him, you.
1: you know. Yeah. And dress not the kids however it. he wants, as long as they're dressed in load the She sh-
0: struggles with that still, by the way. I do. I but do. To be
2: fair, I am colorblind, and sometimes <laughs> I put the kids in mismatching outfits.
0: 20% of men are colorblind. Yes. So it's, it's, you know, it's
3: torture. Ladies,
0: just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the kids don't care. They're dressed.
2: Right. Right. They're one, yeah. They're happy. They're going to slobber and. and puke and do things on those clothes anyway it doesn't matter what they're wearing
1: (laughs) it's funny though too because I feel like a huge brain exercise for me like during the pandemic it's actually been super helpful because we're not going anywhere so like when he dresses them I'm kind of like actually that felt like a big deal and it's not a big deal you know what I mean so now I'm those things you
0: talked about before yeah exactly exactly what other things seem like a big deal that you had to like let go of my gosh everything. i got one yeah
2: commitments to others
0: and it oh. kind of goes
2: into what my uh you'd ask like what what my no or what kind of boundary i had set like these kind of tie in together but like you know for me it was saying no to myself like i i had to put my own what I want to do, I had to get a workout and have to work, have to d- get these goals at, at work, which obviously I don't want to, you know, compromise that because that provides our income. But like, you're in a marriage, you're in a partnership. I I, I have a, a new child that I'm responsible for. Like, I have to kind of shift my thinking and put me third. You know, it, it has it has to be family, career, me, and kind of in that order. So I had to shift things around and. I think that was my biggest like takeaway from, from that, you know, come to Jesus meeting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so what were some of the new things you took on? Just, just like getting into kind of like the nitty gritty of. Yeah, you know, I mean,
2: just, just, I think we first divided it by like everything outside the house I would do and everything inside the house Sarah would do. But then we realized it was kind of an unfair advantage because our HOA covers like they mow our lawn, they <laughs> do our landscaping, they, they they shovel our snow and yeah, I'm like, Oh shit, I got I the easy job. Um, but, but, but like, it goes back to like understanding what triggers her and you know, being highly sensitive and know how, how her brain works. Like I have figured out that she loves a clean kitchen. Like, She'll kiss me and like make moves on me <laughs> if the kitchen's clean, yeah, and so
0: I, gentlemen, it's a sexy thing when is. you clean the right. kitchen. it just really
2: is, yeah, love and, the dishwasher, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so like i I've always made it my thing like before I go to bed, I'll throw my airpods in, listen to a podcast, listen to music, I'll knock out dishes, I'll sweep the floor, I'll put things away, I'll clean the living room like uh, i you know if she's lucky, I'll do laundry, which she mm. she lets me Bonus. uh she lets me fold, I'm not allowed to wash I don't really know how
0: so, <laughs> Well, I mean again there are boundaries <laughs> Right.
2: so so it was um understanding what things helped her be set up for success in the morning and taking care mm-hmm. of those and like I'm like all right mm-hmm. that that's gonna help you feel better she got it no problem
0: yeah yeah and
1: and I will say and I appreciate Justin's honesty with you know the way that his brain works like he does need reminders. Like it, it's just lists. the reality. If you and do lists. a list,
2: I will knock out everything.
1: Right. Task and, oriented. It sounds like. And so because of that, but then I got, that was one point of tension where I was like, I just need you to take on these things without me having to write them down. for right. you. So right. then it got to a point where that's why for us, these check-ins like we do a weekly Mm check-in we do the monthly check-in but then like we do a nightly and daily check-in we Mm -hmm. kind of you know every day
2: say, every every night before i leave for work hey sarah on my way home do you need me to pick up anything do you need to prepare Mm -hmm. anything like let me know what you need and i can take care of it on my way
1: Hmm. And, and so just kind of looking at the month, we'll kind of be like, okay, what's going on? Granted, during the pandemic, there's, you know, obviously, um, we don't have obligations like we used to on weekends, but we kind of carve out like, okay, what would we want to utilize our weekend doing? And then, mm-hmm. you know, we every week, we're kind of like, okay, what does your week look like? You know, I might have an event, a virtual speaking engagement that I'm going to be doing at night. Like, you know, we, we just talk about that. So it doesn't feel like, oh, this is popcorn. It just popped out of nowhere. We kind Mm -hmm. of plan for that. And then, you know, daily we're checking in. And the thing is, is that for any of you listening, like you can have it all, you just can't do it all. And so being able to, if you want, you know, to be working and having kids and, you know, doing all of these things, it is possible. But you also have to make sure that you're, you know,
0: communicating those things and what you need. And I might add to that, you can't do it all all at once. Mm -hmm. Like there are times when you have to prioritize and schedule. And, you know, sometimes there's a season for this and then a season for that, Um, you know.
2: That's part of, um, you know, Sarah, one of Sarah's negatives is she, once she starts something, she has to do it. And then some, I, the other uh, night, uh, you know, she has all these things she wants to, to accomplish with the house and it's awesome. And I, and I'm with her, but I have to remind her, I go, listen, you're not going to do it all in one night. I'm not going to help yeah. you if you want to. So you're not going mm-hmm. to, um, mm-hmm. and, and the other night, like she did her closet and it was like nine 30 and i'm like you need to go to bedtime. bed yeah. yeah i'm like you need to go to bed but then she she started doing other things like the drawers and the, and then it's like 10:30 i'm like dude stop <laughs> you're getting cranky you're not getting enough sleep baby's going to be awake yeah. like i know what you need and mm-hmm. and you just you can't do everything you just knock it out one little piece at a mm-hmm. time and and i'll be here to help but yeah trying to do too much is not good for you
0: I struggle with that, too. Um, Just just professionally, I, I recently took a time management course just to, like, brush up on some ideas. And I always talk about my bullet journal and, you know, blocking my time and all that. And one of the things I learned in this is this this instructor was saying, you know, block if you have a big project, block two hours each day and don't feel compelled to finish it in one day. And that was the hardest thing. And I still struggle with it. Because, you know, two hours will go by. And I'll think, oh, if I just work for two more hours, I'll get this done. Mm -hmm. And I have to force myself to stop. And it's so hard to realize, like, I have a lot of things I need to touch in a day, or a lot of people I need to help or whatever it is. And I can't, I can't go all in on something sometimes. Mm Sometimes I can, but other times you can't. You have to manage that. Sarah,
2: how do I I help you prioritize what needs to get done? What do we talk about?
0: We have an A,
1: B, and C list. And so A's are, so I'll kind of do a brain dump. And then I'll do like A's are like need to be done like today. B's are need to be done like sometime this week. And then C's are kind of like, it'd be awesome if we could do this. If you get time. Yeah. Yeah. Those would kind of be spillovers. But what I will say, and not to defend myself, but I will say, especially it being the pandemic, being home with three kids. And I appreciate Justin's accountability and his ability to kind of, you know, hone in and kind of tell me like, Hey, you know, we can't get it all done. But, and I overuse this phrase, Justin, I know you hear it all the time, but being home with kids is like brushing your teeth, eating (laughs) Oreos. Like every time that you are trying to clean or accomplish something, it's, it's like this vicious cycle. And so what I find right now personally is that when the kids do go to sleep, I do want to get a lot done because I will start and stop and start and stop throughout the day. And I can never, and I am the type of person, I want to check something off off my list. Like I have in the past, and I'm guilty of this, like I've written down something I've already accomplished just so that I could check it off. Like that is what I do that. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. so it's just like give yourself grace during the season that you're in and and, you know, it, it's okay to want to check yeah. things off, but also make sure that you're not, you're not forgetting those essential basic needs.
0: Yeah. Two things related to that. So there are some people who don't believe in to-do lists. They believe in to-done lists. And so at the end of the day, sometimes it's good to take inventory of all the things you've done in the day so that you can stop beating yourself up and just realize I've accomplished all these things. And then the other thing is break things down into bite-sized portions. I'm a big believer in, I would really love to you know, whatever it is, clean, clean up this kitchen or whatever. And sometimes it's, you know, I'm going to tackle this one part. I'm just going to, you know, clean out this cupboard and straighten this out. And tomorrow I'll do this little part. It's hard. It's a struggle. I totally am with you on this, Sarah. Like I just want to get it done and not think about it anymore. But um, sometimes it's all you can do.
1: And one of the challenges that I've been, you know, trying to do with myself and any of you moms out there changing the checklist when you're home with the kids and really focusing on like, did the kids laugh today? Right. Are they fed? You know, are they happy? In that regard,
2: Sarah, I'm going to jump in. I always try to make it known that I I never expect a clean house. I never expect dinner when I get home. I don't care. It doesn't mean that much to me. Like if it's there, Mm -hmm. awesome. If it's not, I'll be okay. I always appreciate it, but I never expect it. And I tell Sarah that I go, listen, keep the kids alive. Keep them happy. (laughs) Stay sane. If there's dinner and the house is clean, cool. If not, we're good. I don't care. I try to make that known. Which
1: is so true. But it's, again, like I feel like as women, the narrative in our head Mm -hmm. is that that's expected. And think of all the images we've been fed
3: since
1: forever. Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so it is, it's, it's also good to know. And I love hearing him tell me that. And he will remind me midday. He'll just say, listen, I don't expect any of, you know, you don't have to do anything except just be there with the kids. And so Mm -hmm. hearing your significant other, your spouse, like telling you that is really helpful. Um, The other thing I just wanted to circle back around to is part of that communication piece is, and Justin, I'd love for you to kind of share on this. What has something recently, you know, that I do while you're at work to communicate with you that has been super helpful for your brain when you're at work?
2: Not bothering me as much. (laughs) Respecting my, uh, my, my sacred times of nine to noon and one to four.
1: So instead of texting you what has been helpful that I've been doing for us to kind of be on the same page.
2: The voice messages. Am I, am I missing this? Oh
0: boy. So they
2: <laughs> we might have to read it. Oh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. It's
0: a classic marriage moment. Yeah, I thought we were on the same page
1: and I thought it was, so this is interesting because I thought like, Mm -hmm. this is a big deal. I have been shifting. I've been very mindful of not sending him just like emotionally reactive text messages, but instead when it's something important, I've shifted to a different form of communication that I thought was helpful, but maybe it's not.
2: It is. I... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. We've done a lot of different things. I, I don't like to respond to text. I and it's I bet if you look at our text history, for every three thousand words Sarah has written <laughs> over the years, I've probably written six. This and sounds so,
0: familiar I, to me. Yeah. yeah so yes. I, no. I, yeah. I don't okay. like the
2: text. I especially don't like the text at work. And when I'm in work mode, I'm always yeah. doing emails and responding to emails. And so I'll see an email from her pop up. Um and, and it will elicit response, and she knows like not to overdo it, not to abuse mm-hmm. it. Like, and and, and well, that's respecting um, a
0: boundary, absolutely,
2: right? right. And so, um, yes, it it certainly uh, has helped. So, I apologize for missing that. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of conversations on many topics.
0: <laughs> this is true. It's all good. It's all good. So let's let's. I think we've t- talked a lot about you know, your marriage and your partnership together. But I want to learn a little more about you, um, Justin. So, um, you know, we've just even in this conversation and, you know, through, you know, since we started the podcast, we've talked a lot about how boundaries and saying no can be very hard for women in particular, just because we're always told to be givers and caretakers and things like that. But like, is this something you've struggled with in your life? Are we wrong in thinking it's harder for us as women? Or do you feel like? this yes it is a women's primarily issue or is it a universal thing
2: i I don't think it could be that broad i mean i think it's an individual Mm -hmm. thing um yeah i i mean sarah could probably tell you better but like i don't think i struggle like if i know saying no to one thing will cause something more important to be better off in my life no problem i can flip a switch like that like it, it and that's just me i'm not saying that's normal i'm not saying that's all guys i I tend to think guys are more like dogs and don't have the capacity to think far enough in advance to to understand the outcomes of of what they're doing um Mm -hmm. (laughs) but like that's just me like no it's not hard for me to say no if i know it's gonna make something else better that's more important Mm
3: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: so you focus on the the why, the goal of like right. how this impacts what I'm going after. And so right. what kinds of boundaries have you set around your work or life outside of your marriage that, you know, that have helped you accomplish <sighs> your goals? Or, I mean, you
2: know? probably a big one that comes to mind is like, uh, I mean, probably all my friends and family and Sarah could vouch. I'm, I'm, I'm a yes man. I'm a people pleaser. Like I, it's, that's just my personality. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, I've always loved going and doing things with people and and going places and meeting up. And like, I've always enjoyed doing that. And, and, you know, the last few years with the marriage and and, the kids and everything, like Mm -hmm. I've had to set boundaries. Like, and and Mm -hmm. obviously COVID has kind of made that for everybody, but like Mm -hmm. saying no to, you know, meetups and, and, you know, going to, you know, uh, my buddies to watch a game or going out, you know, with my friends, like, because Mm -hmm. I know if I do that, I'm leaving Sarah with the kids. And if, and if I go out and have a few drinks and the next day, I'm not feeling my best, Sarah's going to have, you know, the kids in the morning too. And it's like, Mm -hmm. so I've kind of switched my mind around and it's like my tribe, my, my three boys, my wife, like, how Mm -hmm. can I be my best for them first? And then after Mm that then i'll I'll go from there instead of what's again in my best interest and what do i want first we kind of -hmm. talked about that earlier um but sarah's cool like she'll she'll i hate to say she'll let me do things but um like what was it a month after we had tristan uh I went I went on a cross country trip out to South Dakota and, and camped and hiked and you know with six of my buddies. I think I remember
0: that. I think yeah, that, that and, was about the time we started our yeah. podcast. I remember that. Yeah. Six
3: yeah, days. And, and, six days. Yeah. <laughs> Which we really did have days. we did have
0: <laughs>
1: childcare care that did fall through, but for six days yeah. I was so Right. But with but all like three it, and that, that,
2: that that was an example of like Sarah's first of all, we planned that we did a year uh, start of the year 2020 plan. We were at a coffee shop. We kind of, you know, plan on you know, trips and meeting up with like friends and let's coordinate something. And that day, I mean, I was texting my buddies and we decided what we were going to do when we were going to do it. And we booked everything that day in January. Which, for I just wow. have to pause
1: for a second, which is hilarious because this is the difference between males and females. Because Justin and I, at the beginning of the year, we do. We look at the entire year. We talk about when do we want to have like a couple's trip? When would be a family trip? And then let's do like you do a guy's trip and I do a girl's trip. So like he had just said, that day, back in January of 2019, he texted No, it was 2020.
3: 20. Sorry, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So 2020,
1: he texted they were in a group text. They all confirmed like everything. All of the women, the girls on my chat, everyone was like, "Oh, I don't know. I don't think I can. Oh, I'll get back to you. Let like, me check." Yeah, yeah. And, and it never ended up ended up happening. But it's uh-huh. like that's
0: the difference too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. It will it be okay with everyone else before I say right. yeah? Let's do but it. Yeah,
2: that, that was an example of you you do enough things for for Sarah and the kids and like mm-hmm. um and again i hate to say reward or earn but he like
1: you needed that you time need a break and, yeah. and she she yeah, gets yeah, yeah. that
2: and and so that's um yeah so so being able to put my family's needs first above my own and and you know be with mm-hmm. my friends like that was probably the biggest uh shift for me yeah.
0: but just, any career oh, i'm sorry go no, ahead go on i was
1: just going to say like i keep hearing you say other's needs before your own. And then it's like, I am trying, I try and teach women and to tell myself, like we have to put ourselves first though too. So do mm-hmm. you feel like you are able to put yourself
2: first? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: At I least mean, some uh, of the times, is, yeah, is it about, you know, sometimes it's me first and sometimes I have to, the needs of others first or i see you hedging
2: it's a good question because like i feel like I, i i don't know i guess would be my answer uh i do things almost on a daily basis at this point for what's in the best interest of of my family or others and i'm cool with that like i for the most part, like, you know, if, if 365 days I, I need to put myself at the back for 355 of them, that's all I need. I'm cool. Like if I can get a day here and there, that's that that serves me well.
0: So I feel like I feel like this this I anticipate there will be a, a partnership meeting about this <laughs> <laughs> to discuss yeah. to discuss. Um, but also, I kind of feel like. I'm wondering, Justin, if like you're getting your runs in and, and your exercise in the evenings and you're like maybe you are doing those self-care things that Sarah does, but you don't think of it in the same way. So it's right. an interesting conversation about how we perceive that.
3: Right,
2: right. Cause I mean I do I I do need to work out and I do need to be efficient at work. Um but I you know, I do those things, you know, not with my my best interest in mind first, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't even know if that makes sense. Well it sounds
0: like your why is your tribe.
2: Right. Yeah. Right now. At, at the end of the day, that and like so the, everything I do is to provide the best life possible for my kids and my wife. And that that's all I yeah. care about at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. So you two discuss amongst yourselves and get back to us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well that's so no, my just, ultimate why and goal too. I just know right, it yeah. with me being able to I have to be my best so that then I
0: can be the best wife and mom and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So Justin, what other boundaries like outside of like, are there any work boundaries you've set to be better at what you do in your career? Any like work habit things or just, Um, you know, I always try to kind of pull back to this topic, you know?
2: Right. Um, I mean, I try to be, as efficient as possible when I'm at work getting the most done I can within the condensed time. I, I have to be there because again, Sarah would, would tell you if, if I didn't have other responsibilities, I would just stay at work. I would always be there. Mm-hmm. I would never come home. Mm-hmm. Um, So, you know, in, in, <laughs> it's funny at, at work. We um we implemented a a tracking system just for fun, just to kind of like see how, humans operate when they're at work and how efficient they really are and so we Mm -hmm. would track our efficiency like i literally i bought a a stop clock i put it right in front of Mm -hmm. my desk and if i was messing around if i was on a website that wasn't work related if i was texting i was off the clock as soon as i got back to doing my work back on the clock and um i want to say like you know if i'm at work for 10 hours and I'm I'm factoring in an hour of lunch too, which sometimes I'll work through and sometimes Mm -hmm. I won't like if I'm at work 10 hours and I know I'm on this efficiency clock, like, and I'm getting after it, 84% efficient is a a hell of a day. Like I'm at brain pop Mm -hmm. and I had gotten after it and and I, I was very focused on that. And it just made me think like, as human beings, like, how much do we screw around at work? Like I knew I was, I was (laughs) micromanaging myself to such Mm -hmm. an intense level and I was still only 84% efficient. Like what are these Mm -hmm. other, you know, when I'm not doing that, am I 71%? Am I 62%? Mm -hmm. Could could Mm -hmm. I be working three days a week instead of five days a week at a higher efficiency level? So like that is, is maybe how I put a boundary around myself. Like, am I maximizing my efficiency And and I get so micro in that, um, that mm-hmm. I think it almost became obsessive for a little while. I don't, I don't use it right now, but you know, maybe I should, cause maybe I'm not being efficient.
0: I started doing something similar a couple of years ago. I use a timekeeping system that we use to track all our, you know, billable client hours. Right. And so I set up a project called Heather's time. And then the tasks within that are all verbs. So there's like building for building the business, learning, organizing, reacting, living for when I'm doing non-work related things. And those are all unbillable things. And so if I'm not working on a client project, I'm, I'm tracking time in that Heather's time thing. And then at the end of the week, I get this report and it tells me how much of my time was billable percentage wise, how much time did I spend? And so like when my kids were a little bit younger, like a lot of time was eaten up with like their their doctor's appointments and school meetings and all that kind of stuff. And like, it's interesting. It helps me measure how efficient am I being? So I'm a big believer in data.
3: Right. Um, And
0: I do have to
1: mention, I can't help it, but I also think it's so important. And Justin, you brought up a really good point is that it's different. Like if, if you didn't have a family, right? Like you would be mm -hmm. working like a ton, but I think what's important to recognize too, is parents that, you know, are working Taking and it it only has to be five or ten minutes, but taking little brain breaks mm-hmm. throughout that efficiency day because when you come home, you have another job. And so I mm-hmm. think for me, and especially again, one of the things as as a working mom, like I have childcare and during just the days that I work. So I am trying to just how many clients can I see during the times that I have childcare. But then what I forget is I need to be breathing. I need to be taking a couple of minutes here and there because when I get home, I want to be present with them and not giving them and my husband my leftovers. So I think there needs to be a balance with that as well.
0: There's been a lot of research around taking breaks and like stopping something like when you get stuck and letting your brain kind of autopilot percolate on it for a Mm -hmm. while. And there's also studies about interruptions. So every time you get interrupted and you have to reset and go back to something, it takes, there's, there's like 15 to 20 minutes before your brain can focus again. So we just kind of have to be mindful about our habits at work. And, you know, I think, you know, 80. I'm surprised your your top number is 85%. I feel like that's, like, crazy high. Like, crazy. Honestly, like, it's, like, it's like,
2: by the way, that wasn't like
0: that's, my... That's
3: crazy.
2: That's not my average. That's, that's like, my best number. I, my average is probably still, 77%. Like, and that's me, like, being yeah. very diligent and knowing, like, I'm yeah. trying to get after it.
0: I still think that's an amazing number because right. I just think, like, you're a human being. Like, you have to be able to, like, take a drink of water and go to the bathroom. But isn't it <laughs> like, wild? You know like, what I mean? If you think about <laughs> it,
2: we're probably if you're not measuring yourself like that 30 40 efficient at work like
0: it can get that way because yeah. you can get lost you can get lost in what you're doing right, and not right. realize it yeah yeah This
2: makes make me want to get my timer so, on, on monday <laughs> it's in my drawer still
0: We'll compare numbers at the end of the week. Um, So let's let's stay on uh, the topic of work for a minute because you're a recruiter Mm -hmm. and you interview a lot of people for a living, I assume. Yeah. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of people right now who've lost their jobs or looking for work. So I just I just kind of wanted to ask, you know, for those who are looking for work or considering making a career change, you know, can we pick your brain a little bit about, Ah. uh, you know, about. Do's and don'ts.
2: You can try. So I'll, okay. I'll, I'll I'll clarify it a little bit. It's a
3: sure
2: little bit different than I think maybe what you might be picturing. So what we do okay. in our little niche of the world is I recruit employed people that aren't really looking to make a move.
0: I see. So so okay.
2: companies, specifically medical device, biotech, pharma companies, will um, retain me to go fill, you know, manager director level positions that they want the best of the best and they'll pay premium dollar for me to go get those people from their competitors. I see. So it's probably a little different but like you're
0: talking to high level people. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I mean it's 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 a it, it's there's I mean there's staffing and recruiting and there's different variations of it. So so what we mm-hmm. do is we're always working in, in negative unemployment sectors. Um, I mean, even mm-hmm. when this COVID thing happened um, and there was a ban on, on elective procedures, the med device industry that I work in got hammered, you know, furloughs and, yeah. and layoffs and, you know, hiring freezes and things I had not seen in my 10 years of being there. I had gotten in right after the mm-hmm. the recession mm-hmm. of Oh nine and 10 and so everything had only gone up and it was only good. So this was the first hiccup. Um, but, you know, because we have to find our way to these negative unemployment sectors, because that's where we do our billing. You know, I would, I would find, you know, I'd go in the diagnostic world and where companies were making testing systems for COVID like, and the demand was there, or I'd find clients that mm-hmm. make uh, uh, devices for hospital beds. The demand was there. So mm-hmm. it, it's, if you have questions, I could probably answer some things, but it's, a, it's just a little bit different. I think sometimes recruiting gets all like lumped together into one world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you're not you're not actively you're not looking at hundreds of resumes and things like that.
2: No. In fact, the people we go after usually don't even have resumes put together.
0: Right. Right. So a little different. S- So I'm wondering if there's still a few little helpful bits of advice. So like, let's say, let's say you've identified someone as is boy, this person on paper or on LinkedIn looks really impressive. And I'd like to talk to them about this position and see if I can convince them to make a switch. You know, when you talk with people like that, are there ever instances where you're interviewing someone and you're like, Oh no, that's a hard no. Like they say something or do something that just like, Tells you, whoops, nope, this is not the right person.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I get into to, to conversations with these people, like the way I open it is I, I don't care if if you want this position now or not. I don't I don't care if this is the one for you. I want to understand you. I want to understand your background. I want to understand your personal life. I want to understand what you've done in your career. I want to understand what motivates you, where you see yourself next once I understand mm-hmm. that, if it fits into what I have today, we'll talk about it. And if it makes sense to pursue, we will pursue it together, and it will be great. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. if it's not, if it's not the right thing, if it's not the right time because of personal things, professional things, that's cool too. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I I've, I am very niched in what I do within life sciences, and it's a, it's a relationship thing. And, and I've made a couple of hires this year in the last you know twelve months that some of the first conversations I had with these people were nine, 10 years ago. And it's just staying in touch and it's understanding their dynamics mm-hmm. and how things can change and evolve. And, and, and so I, I never look at it as I'm trying to talk someone into, to take in a job. Cause that's very selfish. Uh, it, it's mm-hmm. understanding what motivates people and figuring out how can I best help them and their career. And at the end of the day, impact their families, uh, uh, pretty, um, excessively.
0: So it's a more holistic approach. Yeah. That's my, a good way to put it. how I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole person. Right. Yeah. Um, so are there any, um, if someone were to be recruited by someone like you and they got that phone call or they had that meeting, are there any, any tips or nose or anything like uh, yeah, you know, someone being considered for, I'm just trying to like help people out if no, they're, I, I, if they're I, in this I, situation. I hear where yeah. you're
2: going. I think, um,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. you know, it, it's hard to say cause my industry is, is, is 90% yeah. bad people. Um, and I say that because it's, it's an industry that's easy to get into and it's an industry with unlimited income potential. So yeah. what that means is a lot of people try it. That shouldn't, a lot of people try it, that see the dollar, that can it it can produce for you and they just they try to to give it a whirl and it's they don't have the best intentions of the company or the candidate and because of that they'll just chase the dollar and fizzle out before they can do anything and there's yeah. so much bad in our industry that it kind of puts this negative perception to for most people but if you were to get a call, get a call from 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 me or, or you know someone in my position, take it. Even if you're not looking, the best time to to consider is when you don't have to. The worst time to look is when you have to. So, <laughs> talk to a recruiter. Um, qualify the recruiter. Ask them about their tenure. Ask them who some of their clients are. I commit to good recruiters are with the same company or the same firm for a long time, there's probably not a dollar amount you could get me to leave my company. I take that back. If you want to pay me $10 million a year, I'd have to consider. Uh, but but you know, and obviously I'm joking, but like the recruiters that are bad, you can only be bad for so long before you know our company, before we would cut you because we don't want to take that loss on it. And we know it's not a good fit. So we would move on within a few months. And if you are talking to a recruiter and you qualify them a little bit and they've had four or five jobs in in three, four years, big red flag. They've been with one one company for 10 years and they've had some good success. It's a pretty good sign that that person knows what they're doing. Um, So I would say take a call, qualify the recruiter um, and, and see if they got the chops.
0: That's great advice really, really good insight. I've, I, to be really honest, I've been approached by recruiters in the past and I just, just said, no, not interested. Like didn't even take the call. So that's really interesting. So I appreciate that. All right. So, so let's go back to Sarah for a minute. Please, We'd love to get the inside scoop. (laughs) We're still getting to know her. So, uh, we've gotten to know her pretty well over the past several months, but tell us something about her that we don't know already
2: something about sarah
1: are
0: you bracing we don't yourself, know
2: i'm trying <laughs> to think <laughs> she's not competitive at all like at is all. sarcasm no and it, and it totally oh, really? it, it totally goes against me because i'm like ultra competitive and i remember i invited her up to my office when we were first dating you remember this sir yeah and I'm like, you want to play darts? A dartboard in the office. And I'm like, all right. And I, I've been playing a lot of darts at that point. Like I'm pretty good. And I'm like, I'm gonna smoke her. And I start out, and like <laughs> I'm throwing like really good darts. And she's like cheering me on. I'm like, what are you doing? Like why are you cheering? She's,
3: she's like, like, I like, I want yeah, you to do good. And
2: then she goes <laughs> out there and like doesn't. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like. It, 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 you wouldn't know that because she's so motivated and she's so driven. Yeah. But she's what you do know is she's so compassionate and cares so much for yeah. others that she wants everybody to be successful. It's a cool yeah. quality. Yeah. Uh, I certainly don't have that to that extent.
0: <laughs> uh, I would. Yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of that, but it's nice to hear you confirm that. That's you're so nice, Sarah. You're
1: such well, a well. Nice but honestly, that is it's it is collaboration over competition. And that's just how I feel like, and especially why I'm so I'm so passionate about helping women is it's like babes supporting babes. And I'm an open book (laughs) and I want to share as much as I can in what's worked for me and hoping that it can help someone else. And I just feel like there's so much abundance in the, in the world. There's so many people to help. And I just want everyone to, you know, reach, reach for, you know, their best. And I love helping people get to that. And I am not, yeah, I'm not competitive when it
0: comes to those things. at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's so adorable. Um, anything else you want to share?
2: Ah, uh, nothing's popping off right now.
0: I'm
1: surprised that you are not, and I'm just going to be calling myself out on this, geography.
2: Like, Oh my God, terrible. You guys. Really? Doesn't oh, know east from I, west. No. Doesn't know where anything is. Ugh, I don't it's like telling- does she get
0: lost driving all the all time, the time. Oh, I won't I let her drive know, anywhere I never know
1: where i am <laughs> like if there if i do not have a GPS like oh and, that's bad and I I'm about terrible that. at landmarks i'll be like yeah justin you know it's that building next to that house that has a door and windows and like but I don't know I never know where I'm at like it's
2: crazy that's my i have
0: to say i have to say i'm kind of bad at that too and so is my sister so we joke that it's like runs in the family but the problem is my brother who just left the navy was a navigator (laughs) (laughs)
3: kind of throws that whole theory off
0: yeah, yeah so yeah anyway yeah so um well, this has been great. Is there anything else about your partnership, at, you know, as parents, as as a couple that, that we didn't touch on that you want to touch on?
2: Um I mean, it, actually it's funny because I can tie it into to recruiting too. Uh, I always tell, you know, companies and candidates like good hires and bad hires uh happen when when expectations are aligned or misaligned. I think that's a perfect uh parallel to marriage set expectations make sure your spouse knows the expectation because if they don't know what you're expecting you have no you don't know what they're expecting someone's gonna be unhappy and and again it goes back to my job If, if a company has goals and expectations that they don't ever clarify to a candidate and they get into a job and all of a sudden like oh shit like there's gonna be a miss. someone's gonna be mad and so i would say set expectations with one another reasonable expectations with each other, um, do it with some frequency.
1: Well, and, and kind of adding to that, you know, we're not mind readers and there's so many times where I'm like, he should know what I'm thinking, but the reality is that he doesn't. And so I wouldn't necessarily, I hear what you're saying in regards to the expectations, but I just feel like it's just keeping open, um, communication and ongoing and, And taking it, honestly, like day by day. And that's why we do so many check-ins because it's awesome. And we'll give each other fist bump, high five, whatever. Like that worked. Kisses. That worked Mm -hmm. for that day or that week or that season. But guess what? We got to go back to the drawing plant. or the help me out. We got drawing a drawing board. board. Drawing board. Thank you. Um, we have to go back to the drawing board and figure out what do we need right now. And it might look mm-hmm. different than what was working before, but that's okay. You just have mm-hmm. to continue to, you know, tweak things and, you know, communicate about what you need during different seasons.
3: And I yeah.
2: And I was gonna say I think it's important to notate too, like we are far from a perfect marriage mm-hmm. a perfect couple like we yeah, get into right, arguments right, right. we you know get mad at each other like and i know Which a lot healthy. of that Which yeah like but like a lot mm-hmm. of it like you don't see it on social media you don't see it on the mm-hmm. podcast we don't highlight it when mm-hmm. we talk about like all this good. there's so much good mm-hmm. yeah. but there's there's a lot of you know things that suck too and i think that's with every marriage and i think it should be known that We've highlighted a lot of cool shit that we do together and, and, and I think it's special, mm-hmm. but man, we fight. It's just, mm-hmm. it, it, it is yeah. what it is.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the things I told my kids a long time ago um, when, you know, my husband and I would argue um, if, if they saw it, you know, I basically, said anybody who lives together, I don't care who you are anyone who lives together is going to have conflict right. and get on each other's nerves, whether you're siblings or roommates or spouses and or kids. partners, whatever kids <laughs> like, yeah, you're just going to get on each other's nerves because we're all human and we're all fallible. It's right. just the way it is. The, pr- the thing is what you do during that and after that. Absolutely.
1: And it's always that like
0: reconnect and
1: repair after the rupture. Mm-hmm. And one thing I will say, and Justin, I'm curious your thoughts, but I feel like one of the things that does set us apart in regards to at least, you know, people I talk with, and not, not to compare, but like, we are not grudge holders. Like if one of us messed up or we can own it, we can talk about it, we can have feelings and be mad about it. But I feel like one of the things that we have learned over the years it was not always like this in the beginning, and I'm the first to say I would call him out on stuff and bring things up from the past. Well, one of the things specifically now that I know makes us work as well as we do is we just reset. We talk about it. We say what we need to, but I'm not throwing things in his face that he had done previously. Like we are mm-hmm. just not grudge holders.
0: Mm-hmm. And for those who are dealing with this at home, what happens if if there is a rupture, there is some conflict, and and you want to forgive and you want to move on and reset, but the other person won't acknowledge that something you know, happened that they were, you know, at fault for or, or not at fault, but, you know, they did something that was hurtful or whatever. What, how do you get beyond that? Is that when you, you go to couples therapy and get a mediator or,
2: it's you like know, a, I mean, cool off period, you know, go for a drive, yeah. go for a Let walk the temperature by get, get, yeah, like yeah. get your thoughts together. Um, yeah. I mean, couples therapy, like Sarah and I have gone to therapy. It's, I love it. Like, I I, I think it's certainly has benefits. Um. And just talk about it. Like once you once yeah. cooler heads yeah. prevail, you you address it like a, like a team you're supposed to. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
1: And I will say, if you don't know a lot about your partner's upbringing, I would really encourage you to take to take some a six time. hour
2: drive to Chicago for a dry <laughs> wedding. <laughs>
1: No, not Chicago,
2: no, really yeah, not where. Chicago. three hours, in the
1: middle of but, but but honestly, I think it's really important to take time to really understand. My mother in law, Joan. Hi, thanks for listening. I know she supports hi, us hi. all the time. I just adore her, but she really like understanding the way that Justin was raised, what his upbringing was like, because and this is you know obviously coming from my background of. Um, you know, marriage and family therapy, systemic work, but we are a byproduct of our upbringing. And and Mm -hmm. so understanding the way that we're wired, the narratives in our head, and we do things based on the way that we were raised. And so Mm -hmm. once we can understand that more, it kind of lessens the frustration because it's kind of like, oh, Mm -hmm. well, that makes sense. Like I, the way I grew up, have you know my mom would always clean the kitchen before she went to bed you know for him maybe it was you know she would clean in the morning so it's like it makes sense why we do the things that, that we do but then being able to check in and be like well what do we want together
3: mm-hmm. this
1: mm-hmm. it explains it our history explains us but it doesn't define us so then being mm-hmm. able to you know figure out what we need what you need as a as a couple
0: and as a family. unit. Outside of everything else we've talked about, Justin, is there a golden nugget of advice you'd like to share with our listeners? One piece of advice about saying no, setting boundaries, taking care of yourself, taking care of your partner, anything we Mm. haven't already covered?
2: That we haven't already covered? I don't think so. Or anything
0: you want to elaborate?
2: I mean, I, I go back to the coachability. Like just mm-hmm. being able to understand and adapt and, and, and figure out what makes your partner be their best self, what makes them tick and, and, and just honing in on that. Like, uh, I think that's a, a big nugget that I, I try to work on daily still. And that's what I would say. If you're going to take one thing from this, be coachable.
0: That's great. That's a great piece of advice. Thank you. Thank you so much for yeah, fun. for doing this. It's been really fun. I've been, you know, eager to really meet you. Meet you. We've yeah, we waved hello and, and you know and in passing, but it's really nice to finally have a, a deep conversation. <laughs> and, and you guys are adorable. And um, so I just really, I really appreciate you guys letting us. Take a peek further into your your relationship and and know more about you. And maybe That's there really will fun. be a
1: part two. If listeners have specific questions for us, we'd love to. Oh yeah, come back on.
2: Yeah, but someone has yeah, to watch our kids fun. first.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Any volunteers out there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys, and thanks. Um, yeah, thanks for spending time. And uh, we look forward to learning more as time goes on. Thanks. Love you. Special thanks to Rihanna Carusis of Collective Reach and the Social Distance Happy Hour podcast, who inspired and challenged us to start this podcast and helped us produce our first episode. Thanks also to our families and friends for all their encouragement and support, and to you, our listeners, for joining us on this adventure. That's a Hard Know is a joint production of Clever Girl Marketing and Purposeful Growth and Wellness. Logo design by Angela Giaco of A Pink Sunset. You can find her at apinksunset.com. Music by G.G. Riggs. Until next time, thanks for listening. And remember, saying no isn't just okay. Saying no is the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. So do it. Find your no and say it unapologetically. That's the hard part. No.